Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me is Chuck Bryant. I'm doing sign language at you, Josh. Are you, are you doing finger fumblers? Uh, no, but since you brought it up, we have a finger fumbler. Good blood, bad blood. Not to jump the gun. That, mean, that has nothing to do with this podcast. I Can you sign that out for me? No. Okay. Well, to anyone who knows sign language, give uh, good blood, bad blood a shot. Oh, and that also reminds me, Chuck, one of our listeners sent in a, uh, I guess, a um, mind melt right. exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, make a clockwise circle on the floor with your right foot mm-hmm. while writing the number six on a pad of paper. I tried it. And it is really yeah, tough. It made me crazy. It, yeah, things like that really get to Chuck. Right. So, Chuck, that's a good thing that we had this little bit of banter, because I had, like, no introduction whatsoever for this one. How convenient. How about this? Have you ever been in Niagara Falls? I have not. Nor have I. So Really? Yeah. No, I, I have, and I, and I even lived, you know, in the north. Sure. Well, not the north, the Midwest, but the northern Midwest. Well, it's not too far from Ohio. No, it's not that far, uh, especially Toledo, you right. know. So, um, but yeah, never made it up there. And actually, the the only time I've ever really seen Niagara Falls um, was on what Superman Two, right? Where Clark Kent and Lois Lane honeymooned, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. That's the only time you've seen Niagara Falls. Yeah, that's the most I've seen of it. I oh, okay. Say. Yeah, it's not the only time. Gotcha. I don't live in a cave, Chuck. Right. Um, so I do know a few things about Niagara Falls. Let's hear it. You want me to lay it on you? Lay it. I will tell you this, Chuck. Every year, Niagara Falls attracts about 12 million visitors, okay. right? Yeah. It's a huge tourist attraction, Big as time. you know. Um, and from what else? I, what, from research, I've also found that um, if you stand there long enough, somebody's going to go in. What do you mean? They're well, going to go in the Niagara you... River, and they're going to go over the falls. If you stand there long enough. Long enough. Now, we may be talking like... Months, years, sure. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but they do pull about twenty bodies out of the bottom of the falls every year. Yeah, sadly, it's a it's a suicide destination for for some folks. Yeah, and that was just suicides, right? Right. Yeah, but there are a subgroup of humans running around over the last hundred or so years mm-hmm. who actually go over the falls on purpose. Right, daredevils. That old cliche, going over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Right. There's actually a lot of people who have done that. And it's usually a barrel. Yeah, yeah, especially the old-timey people. They they went over in barrels. All of them, all, yeah, all of them modified. Yeah. And then, you know, as we progressed further into the 20th century, the barrels became, you know, a little better, a little stronger. But, yeah, pretty much all barrels or balls. Right. Spheres. Right. I guess 16, is, is uh, if I'm not mistaken, 16 people have done so. From 1901 to 2003. Right. And as far as I could find, uh, the guy who did it in 2003 uh, was the, the last one. I couldn't find anybody who's tried it more recently. Right. His is the most amazing, but we should probably save that. Just yeah, so let's, people let's don't dial turn it, it off a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> we want to we want to pay it out slowly. So, uh, Chuck, let's talk about the falls a little bit. How, how's your geography? Terrible. <laughs> you want me to handle it? <laughs> well, no. I mean, I can I can give you a few facts here and there, but geography as a whole is not my strong suit. All right, well, give us a few facts here or there. Geographically speaking, if mm-hmm. you've never been to Niagara Falls, you might think that it's one set of falls, and if you've seen sure. the famous photos, but it's actually three sets of falls, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you know. Uh, Horseshoe Falls. Yeah, that's the uh, Canadian one, right? Uh, 
Yes, the American Falls. That's the American, the American one. And the lesser known and smaller uh, Bridal Veil Falls. Right. And I know you have some good numbers on these. Well, I, I can tell you that this three-fall setup that we see in uh, Niagara Falls today, or people unlike me who go to Niagara Falls right. see today, um, it's actually only about 500 years old. Uh, the, the falls actually erode these days because they've hit some serious bedrock. They erode backward uh, about four to five feet a year. Yeah, that's a lot. It is a lot, but they've eroded much much more quickly than that uh-huh. um, over time. And also I should say that the, the, the entirety of, of Niagara Falls is only about 15,000 years old. Uh, it was uh, the result of the last ice age or the end of the last ice age. Um, but stuff. okay, so, so it's um, eroding backward five, five feet a year. Uh-huh. Um, and eventually it hit a point and, and the river went down enough, the, the water flow went, went lowered enough that it hit this island, which split it into two. That'd be the Niagara River, correct? The Niagara River was split into two, and actually there's a second smaller island, Luna Island, that split it into three and created Bridal Veil Falls. Right. Um, but this island called Goat Island is actually named after a herd of hapless goats that froze to death on the island um, in 1780. They belonged to a goat herder named John Stedman, that's, and that's why Goat <laughs> Island is called Goat Island. They weren't fainting goats, were they? No, they were freezing goats. Okay. Yeah, so uh, that's that's a little bit about um, Niagara Falls. Oh, I should probably give some stats here because I know everybody loves stats. Do you have any stats? About no, the, I'm uh, usually stat man, but the... Uh, can I take your, your role today? Please, please do. Okay, so Horseshoe Falls is by far the biggest one. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a 167-foot drop. Then it hits the Mate of the Mist pool and actually goes down about another 180 feet. So if you plunged right down to the, the Mate of the Mist pool... Um, what is that? That's like almost 400 feet, right? It's quite a bit. That's a significant drop. Um, it's a, There's a 2,600-foot brink, uh-huh. and the water goes over that brink at about 600,000 gallons per second. Right. That's a lot of water. Yeah, so you know, if you went over the falls and survived, you've still got this water beating down on you at that kind of rate. Right. Which you could easily die. And even though um, Horseshoe Falls is much bigger and the the water volume is is much greater, that's the one that people go over when they go over Niagara Falls. Because American Falls, um, it it puts water out about 150,000 gallons a second. But uh, the 176-foot drop to Uh the bottom, about 106 feet of that is rock. Right. So you drop 70 feet right on this huge tumble of rocks. Yeah. It's not a good idea to go over that one. It's nice to look at. It is very pretty, especially with Bridal Veil Falls just falling in the background. Superman flying around. <laughs> yeah, saving people. <laughs> so, um, so okay, there are people who go over the falls, Chuck. And um, do you know much about Daredevils? I think is a pretty fair description of these people. Well, I wrote an article on Daredevils. Was that your article? It was. That was a great article. I actually went back and referenced that. Thanks. And I it. saw that there's a picture of the first person to go over the falls in your article. Right, who was a woman. Yeah. Anne Edison Taylor. Yep. But backtracking again, we're, sa- we're saving our, our anecdotes of the people who went over. So. Yeah, we're talking about daredevils, right? Right. What about that one study? Uh, which one? The one with the testosterone. Oh, right. Yeah, daredevils have a, uh, what is it, a higher level of testosterone, but a lower level of um, satisfaction. So I, so I, I looked it up, serotonin. Right. Uh, and it's serotonin, one of the things it does, it's a neurotransmitter, and um, it, it acts to curb impulsiveness. Well, so apparently, high levels of testosterone and low levels of you know a neurotransmitter that right. 
curves impulsiveness equals daredevil. Right. Uh, so that's one explanation. Another explanation is found actually in some poor lab mice who had the um, the Staffman gene uh, bred out of them. The infamous Staffman gene. <laughs> yeah, it's about to be infamous. Right. Um, this gene produces a protein, right, that mm-hmm. allows um, nerve cells to... Uh, to communicate with one another in the amygdala. Mm-hmm. And the amygdala is known to um, allow us to form fear memories, memories from fear, oh, right. aversion. Sure. Like put your hand on a hot oven, right. your amygdala is going to be like, oh, we can't do that right. again. So I think hot stove is what they generally say, but a hot oven's bad too. <laughs> Quiet, you. <laughs> okay, hot oven, hot stove. Sure. I, I know what you mean. Um, so the so these mice, are, they were actually called in this article rather sensationally um, daredevil mice. They, they showed no, no signs fear. of traditional mice fear. They mm-hmm. explored open spaces. Um, they really didn't have much of an aversion to receiving electric shocks. Basically, these, these mice are leading a pretty hard life, I think up at Cornell or Rutgers. Right, and I, I know that uh, uh, daredevils often say that they don't fear uh, things like most people do. So it's not like they're just overcoming this thing and they just have to jump off right. of out of the plane. They really it just doesn't affect them. The same. Right, which is I, I can't even begin to conceive of that. I have a little bit of that to me. I used to do repel really? and yeah stuff like that. Wow, well, like but there was a little bit of fear involved. But I was one of those that was overcoming the fear as opposed well, to you. yeah, you're a self actualized person. I was. All right. Well, Chuck, let's meet some of the idiots who've gone over Niagara Falls, (laughs) shall we? Yes. And at this point, as our attorneys would be so pleased, I will say that you should certainly never, ever, ever try to do this because it's very easy to die trying this as a stunt. Conscientious and self-actualized. I think the fact that 16 people have gone over, 11 of which have survived in 100 years. Two people went over and survived twice. Correct. Which, <laughs> but five people died, so. Yeah, and horribly, too. We'll get to some of those guys, right? Right. So why don't we start at the beginning? The the first person to go over Niagara Falls on purpose, as you said, was a woman, Annie Edson Taylor, in yeah. 1901, right? Yeah, which is pretty funny to think about way back then. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she did this, actually, on purpose as a stunt to try and make money. Yeah, fame and fortune uh-huh. is pretty much the uh, dominant reason people have for um, going over the falls, right? Right, and she was 63 at the time. She That's claimed, spinster, I imagine. Yeah, she well didn't use Listerine. Yeah, uh, she claimed she was forty-three and got away with that, so she must have been in pretty decent shape. But uh, she packed a, a pickle barrel with a uh, made it airtight and uh, packed it with pillows and and stuffed herself in there and made it over, survived, and yeah. did not make a lot of money off of it. She was she was smart enough to um, uh, compress air right to to make it buoyant, and um, she also took her cat with her. Yeah. And, and they both lived. Yeah, a guy took his turtle later on, too. Someone else. Oh, we'll get to him. Okay. Sonny boy. Um, but, yeah, she went over. She and the cat made it. But, yeah, the fortune and fame that she sought was uh, elusive, it, it, she found. And died she penniless. She died penniless, which is just sad. Yeah. I don't like that term, though. No one dies penniless. I'm sure someone does, but did she really not have a penny? Come I, on. I don't know. I mean, a penny in 1901, was that's a lot, you know. They should just say she died poor. Okay. That's just a personal beef. Or broke. Yeah, broke. Busted. Well, her barrel busted. <laughs> okay, so uh, who's up next? Um, let's see. How about, uh, well, the first man was 10 years later, uh, Bobby Leach. Yeah. He was and, kind of a stuntman, right? Yeah, he was a circus guy. And uh, July 25th, 1911, he got into a steel barrel and uh, floated, you know, 18 minutes downstream and went over and 
survived, he broke both his jaw and both of his kneecaps. Yeah, so. and spent six months in the hospital. Yeah, not fun. No, but uh, the the horrible, ironic twist to Mr. Leach's life is that 15 years later, he slipped on an orange peel, yeah. broke his leg, it became infected, it was amputated, and two months later, he was dead of complications, Right. ultimately from slipping on an orange peel. Right, and if that had been a banana peel, it would be a uh, Three Stooges episode. It would have been just painful to read, right? It was. So he... he Lived but perished in an odd accident, which is interesting. You know me, Chuck. I have um, some fairly grisly tastes, right? Mm, oh, yeah. Um, so I think the guy with the coolest death of the Niagara Falls tragedies uh, was Charles Stevens. He right. went over in 1920. I actually haven't heard this guy. so. Oh, you haven't? No, I'll lay it on you. Um, he went over in an oak barrel, right? Uh, and it wasn't modified or reinforced in any way, but he modified the interior. He had an anvil. At the bottom, serves ballast so it would stay upright. Um, And he had his feet strapped to the anvil (laughs) for some reason. Um, And uh, he had arm straps inside the barrel, Uh so he was his arms were in there. He he went over. Um, Apparently, when he hit the bottom, the anvil broke through the bottom of the barrel and dragged him down with it. And all they ever found of Mr. Stevens was his arm still in the arm strap inside what was left of the oak barrel. Wow! I kid you not. Poor planning. Yeah, that's yeah. It was. It actually was. His his whole his whole stunt was racked with poor planning. Other people who'd already gone over, um, and who who lived around the river and were kind of old sea dogs, um, were begging the guy to, um, you know, test it out, give it a try, reinforce it, um, just do take all these extra precautions. He just wouldn't do it. So, right. As soon as you said he he had an anvil in the bottom, I kind of foresaw that coming. Yeah. Uh, Josh, another one that I thought was really sad um, that perished was uh, George uh, Stathicus in 1930. He is uh, what Peter Tosh would call a mystic man. Yes. Yeah. He was a chef in New York. He went over with his pet turtle, Sonny Boy, like Sonny we talked Boy. about. Yes. A uh, hundred-year-old turtle named Sonny Boy. Supposedly. Yeah. And um, this one's really sad because he actually went over, perhaps successfully, and was stuck behind the curtain of water. And for no one, 18 hours. Yeah, 18 hours. No one could get to him. And they don't know for sure whether he survived the fall. But if he did, that means he spent, um, you know, three to eight hours is all the air he had. And he actually perhaps suffocated. Suffocated. I, uh, what I took from it was that they examined him and found that, yeah, he, he, he most likely had suffocated. Yeah, that's terrible. But the turtle made it. Yeah. Sonny Boy made it. And the whole reason uh, Mr. Stathicus took Sonny Boy um, was so that if he died, Sonny Boy could tell the tale. And uh, Sonny Boy never really said anything. Talking turtle. I think that says it all. Mystic man. So you want me to do another one? Uh, yeah, you're up. Okay. Uh, I love this guy, Nathan Boya. He's the first uh, African-American to go over. And he was also, he kind of bucked the trend of fame and fortune. Uh, the reason uh, Mr. Boya went over was because it was something he just had to do. He felt he had to do. Really? That's what he said. Yeah. So he goes over in 1961, and this guy was pretty sharp. He took an oxygen tank with him, filled with 30 hours of air. Um, I believe he had a rebreather, and he went over in a, uh, a I think it was a metal ball he dubbed the plungosphere. Right. He did have a rebreather, which removes uh, carbon dioxide. Yeah, it's so. like scuba. Exactly. Yeah. So um, he went over in the falls. He went over the falls. Uh, he um, was successful. I think he got a little banged up, but not, not too much. And he was also the first person to be fined 
for breaking uh, a law that was enacted um, a couple years earlier after right. another guy died. Um, that it's that makes it, that made it illegal to uh, go over Niagara Falls on purpose. So he paid a hundred bucks, which in two thousand eight dollars I looked up was seven hundred and ten forty five. In today's dollars? Yes, as a fine. But he was the first one to ever be fined for doing it because I believe the fine today is ten grand. Or more, yeah. Or more. Yeah. And it's performing a stunt without a license, is that what it is? Yeah, and they've never given a license to anybody so to do it. Which yeah. it just seems like a bad idea. Sure. Because that's a lawsuit right there. Um do you want to skip ahead to the most recent and most amazing? Or did you have another one? You well, we can go backward. Do we have to do it chronologically? No, we don't. I want to talk about the the most recent in two thousand three. Well, let's do it because this guy went over without anything, and he's the only person known to go in on purpose without any kind of flotation, no barrel, no nothing, just the clothes on his back. Clothes on his back, and uh, there's been speculation over the years whether or not he was suicidal mm-hmm. or um, wanted fame and fortune. He apparently said that he. Uh, was in fact depressed for years, and his friends came out later and said, "Yeah, he'd talked about trying to commit suicide." And so when he went to Niagara, he literally stood on the other side of the rail mm-hmm. and was contemplating it. And a woman behind him, who he did not know, sarcastically said, "So what are you going to do? Jump?" In that voice, <laughs> no. And he said, "Yes, ma'am, I think I will." And he did so, and he jumped in, and just a few moments later, uh, plunged over Horseshoe Falls. And said that it felt like I was being swallowed by a living organism. Cool. I was flying straight down at a tremendous speed, and the force was so great, I thought it would rip my head off. Then it became dark, my ears popped, and I was trapped under 40 feet of water. It was beating the living heck out of me. (laughs) Did he say heck? No, he didn't. And I couldn't even get to the surface, and I remember thinking, well, Niagara, I think you've beaten me. And he said then he was pushed forward and felt the sun on his face. Crazy. I know. What's the guy's name? Uh, Kirk Jones. Cool. Cool. So Kirk survived. He told a story to Outside Magazine, among others, and um, apparently he said it filled him with the will to live. So I would imagine so. Good for him. Kind of like surviving a plane crash, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Except not quite. Well, yeah. Maybe the same you know, part of the brain. Yeah, I think so. So, okay, can we go back one? Because there is one other one, one, one of your I favorites. mention. Yeah. Sure. Um, okay, so can we go back and can I do one more? Venture back in time? Yeah. Sure. We'll go back to 1988, the Heady days at the end of the Reagan era. My junior year in high school. When still, uh, wow, really? Yeah. I know, you're always marveled at my age. <laughs> I know. I'm like five years older than you. Get wow. over it. Okay, all right, sorry. Um, so so it was the end of the Reagan era, but Nancy Reagan's influence was still very clearly um, imprinted upon the national psyche. Sure, say and, no to drugs. In, in particular, two guys named Peter Debenardi and Jeffrey uh, Petkovich, right? Mm-hmm. And they decided that they were going to go over the falls in a barrel, and um, they did. And I think a 10-foot-long metal barrel uh, that was completely enclosed. Right. And the reason that they, they wanted to do this was because they wanted to make a statement against drugs. And if you look at their barrel, there's a picture of it in the article. It says, uh, drugs kill, right? Right. <laughs> So what they're what they're saying uh, clearly is that it's you're, it's smarter to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel than it is to do drugs. Right. The problem is is that's just wholly untrue, which right. is why there's uh, 200 million illicit drug users worldwide and only 16 people who've ever gone over right. Niagara Falls on purpose. And we're certainly not endorsing anything, but yeah, yeah, going over the falls in a barrel is is virtual suicide. It is. That and, one kind of uh, struck me. That reminded me actually, there was the the other guy that was trying to raise awareness for the homeless. 
Yeah, what was that? Yeah, he went over in a jet ski. A jet ski. And the plan was to leap off the jet ski, and his he had a rocket parachute that was going to open, but there was some kind of malfunction, and he died. I'd say the worst of all was Jesse Sharp in 1990. Oh, yeah. He didn't even have a uh, a parachute planned. Right. He didn't wear a helmet, and he didn't wear a life preserver, and he went over in a kayak on purpose because yeah. he wanted a job in the stunt industry. So uh, I feel very badly for Jesse's right. family. Yeah, he perished. Oh, yeah. As well. Yeah. I think they found his kayak, and that was it. Right. So I think the lesson, the takeaway, Josh, is uh, daredevil legitimate business uh going over the falls in a barrel not a good idea no and and stay off drugs kids so chuck audible.com time yeah our sponsor and then maybe a little listener mail can we can yes, we look I forward to that very special uh listener mail that i'm looking forward to and that means it's time for listener mail not only listener mail josh this is haiku theater Ooh. We know we Can love- we get a special haiku theater uh, sound effect here? Well, we'll see. I bet it's in there by the time uh, we listen to this. Yeah, okay. Uh, I have seven haikus, and they're short because they're haikus. <laughs> yeah. And we get them from our listeners. Sometimes they're in the form of corrections. Sometimes they're just cool little haikus. Okay. Uh, this one was related to the airplane, uh, airplane. airplane crash from Sarah Ann Lone, mm-hmm. which I liked. Mm-hmm. Hello, that's my seat. Sorry, can I squeeze by you? Wow, this is awkward. Okay, nice. Which is, do you show on the front of your body or the rear of your body when you slide? Again, it comes back to Fight Club a lot. That's right. Uh, Workplace boredom. I will file this under that one. Finger on keyboard. Carpal tunnel sets in slow. My cubicle life. This is from a board worker, uh, Brianna J. O'Sullivan. It's depressing, Brianna. Uh, Maggie Savage of Dover, New Hampshire, sent us one about the hypoallergenic cats episode. Mm -hmm. Cats and dogs are swell. To darn their fur an odd sell. But hey, what the heck? <laughs> That's good. Nice and light. Uh, our friend Marianne, teaching English in Thailand, says this. Village in Thailand, nothing but rice and noodles. I crave cheddar cheese. Nice, yeah. I'll, I read that one, too. That's Have good. you checked out her blog? It's pretty good. It is very good. Uh, Aaron Wen sent this uh, his podcast routine. Control-Alt-Delete, fresh cup of coffee in hand, together we start. Great. Made me feel good. That's a very hopeful haiku. Uh, this is my favorite. This is from a 16-year-old, uh, Timothy Sinclair of Albany, California. Haikus can be strange and end unexpectedly. Refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite. We I have a winner. Like uh, can we get, uh, what, what's the uh, what's the haiku writer's name, the last one? Uh, that was Timothy Sinclair, and I think he deserves a t-shirt. I agree. Timothy, send us your uh, address and t-shirt size to uh, our email, please. But that's not all. Oh, keep them coming, I Chuck. do. No, I only have one more, and okay. this was actually sent today by Eric Jones of Maryland. And Eric just hiked the entirety of the Appalachian Trail. And we actually conversed a bit today uh, via email. Yes. Sent pictures. I'm a hiker myself, so we kind of wrapped back and forth about his experience, and uh, he seems like a very cool guy. So he wrote us a little haiku story about hiking the AT. Mm -hmm. So here it is. 2008, I took a long walk on the Appalachian Trail. Started in Georgia, seven months later finished on Mount... Catadin. Catadin, thank you. Came home, bought iPhone... Found you guys, then downloaded every show since March. Played sequentially. In two weeks, I learned so much, and I'm still learning. Thank you for your time and for your excellent work. Mention me on air. <laughs> so, I like the haikus that end with uh, question marks. Yeah, me too. 
Or a refrigerator. That's pretty good. That's the best one, Timothy. Where did you, you find out? Uh, did you find out if Eric hiked naked? As I hear is a trend to do on the AT. Judging from the photos he sent, he did not. Okay. But uh, there were really gorgeous pictures. You should look. Great. Well, thank you. I know you. you hate nature, so. Thanks to I, it's not that I hate nature. I'm just kind of a slug. <laughs> right. Um, so thank you to everybody who sent us haikus or any kind of mail. If you want to send us a haiku or a hi guys, you can send that to uh, stuff podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?